So what is the church supposed to do? That's our question today. Uh, another way to phrase that is what's the purpose of the church, right? Why, why does the church exist? And there's really two ways to answer that question. I want to encourage you, if you came in and grabbed a bulletin, there's some sermon notes in the bulletin. They're going to help you follow along this morning, be very useful to you. So, so what is the purpose of the church? Now, there's two ways you can answer that question. You can look at, at the five purposes of the church that we find in Scripture, or you can talk about the three ministries of the church that we find in Scripture. And this morning, we're going to cover both. Uh, try to do that quickly, because you can imagine that's eight things that could go kind of kind of rough. But we're going we're gonna to cover all those things this morning. Uh, and we're going to begin with the five purposes. And we're going to do that kind of briefly, because most of you maybe by now have heard about the five purposes. In 1995, Rick Warren in Saddleback Church burst on to the church scene uh, with his book, uh, The Purpose Driven Church. And, and then came the purpose-driven life, and then it's the purpose-driven prayer journal, or the purpose-driven whatever. Uh, purpose-driven blew up after 1995. And, and it did because in that book, Rick Warren identified the five biblical purposes of why the church exists. And he did it because we'd kind of been in this, this funk and this, this muck and this mire, and the church has kind of been doing stuff. And then he began to look at all the things that church was doing and said, wait a second, are those biblical? The church needs to be doing what, what the Bible says it should be doing. And so he identified uh, five biblical purposes for the church's existence. And now those five biblical purposes actually come out of two familiar biblical passages. Okay, There's two really familiar passages. And here's how I remember them. Okay, This is just a little mnemonic thing for you. Okay, It's not really mnemonic, but it, it, maybe it'll help. Okay, uh, I remember that, the God ha- that God has great plans for his church. God has great plans for His church. And so when I think of that word great, it reminds me that those two passages, it's the great commandments, and I say, great commandments, the first and the second, and then the great commission. Okay, And so out of those two passages, we find these five purposes. And so let's look at them together this morning. We'll start with the great commandments. Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Excuse me, I'm trying. <clears throat> It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Okay? That's what Jesus said. Remember, somebody came to him and said, Rabbi, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are the greatest commandments. He said, upon these, you can hang all the rest of the commandments, basically. Okay? So really, really important. So, so this is where, from, the, from this, we, we get our first two purposes of the church. And here's the first one. The first purpose of the church is to worship. It's to worship, right? It says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And that's what worship is, guys. It's loving God. It, it's giving God the place that God deserves. It, it's saying, God, I love you. You're, 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 you're perfect. You're awesome. You're gracious. It's, it's just a natural response unto God. That's what worship is. It's loving the Lord with everything that we are, okay? Second purpose that we get from that is ministry. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Then he said, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now somebody said, Pastor, what is ministry? How do you define that? Here's the most simple definition I can give you. Ministry is simply put, is is meeting needs with love. That's what ministry is. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. What does he mean? He says, meet their needs with love. Just love them. And of course, we don't just love them with, with, with our love. We're really loving them with the love of God. Meet them. Meet their needs with love. That's what ministry is. And so we get that from the the great commandments. And then we turn our attention to the great commission. And let's look at what Jesus says there. 
Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now, in this one commandment, we're going to find three purposes for the church, okay? Here's our third purpose, the first one we find in this passage. Third purpose, evangelism. Jesus says, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Actually, a better translation, by the way, is as you are going. As you're going, make disciples. Why is that important? It's important because it means, it implies that as Christians, even if we don't have the gift of evangelism, we are all called to go and make disciples. We're all called to evangelism. By the way, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. We're going to talk about how, if you're somebody that doesn't have the spiritual gift of evangelism, in a few weeks we'll talk about this, how can you be a part of this ministry? How can you do evangelism if you're not gifted in it? If you're gifted in mercy or you're gifted somewhere else, how do you do evangelism? We're going to talk about how you fit into God's picture of evangelism as part of the church life in a few weeks, okay? So, so go and make disciples. That's purpose number three, evangelism. Purpose number four, fellowship. Fellowship. Uh, it says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, what happens when, when, when somebody receives Christ? They're baptized. When they're baptized, what happens? They become a member of the body of Christ. Remember, we, we, church isn't just about believing, friends. Church is about belonging. Acts 2, 42 through 47, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the breaking of bread and to prayer and to what? And to the fellowship. The early church, the mark of the early church is that those people were committed to doing life together. And that's what fellowship is. Listen to me, Baptist. Fellowship is not just eating a meal together. All right? I know some people are going, what? That's what, that's what fellowship is. You know that you can actually eat a meal with somebody and not have fellowship with them? It's possible. People do it all the time. Have you gone out uh, recently to a restaurant and seen, seen somebody on a quote-unquote date and you see them sitting across the table from each other, both on their phone? That's not fellowship. That's not fellowship. They're existing, right? That's not fellowship. Fellowship is doing life together. It's about intimacy. And that's what the church was created for. That's one of the purposes of the church is fellowship. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. It means that this thing is tough and we need each other. You're not meant to live on an island, okay? And so, so that's the fourth purpose of the church. And here's the fifth, okay? Discipleship. Discipleship. It says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And that's, that's the fifth and final purpose of the church. Remember, and we'll talk about this in a second too, that the church is a body and it's meant to mature and to grow. And, 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 and that's kind of the point is, is, is that, uh, that we've got to be teaching uh, the Word of God, and continuing to grow in grace and wisdom and stature. So um, those are the five purposes of the church. Now let me ask this. How many of you have heard those before? Show me some hands. You've read Purpose Driven Life. You've done the... Keep them up. I need... I'm, I, you think I'm Flash Gordon here? I'm trying, okay? All right. Okay, good, good. That's about what I thought. I thought maybe about half, and so um, that's, that's not too bad. Listen, if you haven't, here's what I want you to know. Um, I could give you tons of Scripture, uh, more Scripture, to back up those. I'm going to cover them a little quickly, but here's why. You need to know them because in a few weeks, we're going to start answering questions about our church. We're not just going to answer questions about the church. We're going to start talking about First Baptist Church Elgin. And I want you to know the purposes of, of the church because we're going to take what we do and we're going, to, we're going to line it up with what God says the church should do. And we're going to show you what we're efforting to do here and why we think you should be a part of it. Okay, So that's where we're headed. So I just want you to know those things. Now, since we've covered that, that brings us to the second half. And this is where I'm going to camp out a little bit. 
since the five purposes are kind of known, I want to spend some time with a little less known, and maybe you've never heard of the three ministries of the church. Some of you may have been in church your whole life, you've never heard that the church has three ministries, but, but it does. I want to share with you the three biblical ministries of the church this morning, kind of part two of our sermon. Here is the first. The first ministry of the church is ministry to God. It's ministry to God. The first reason that the church exists, according to Scripture, is to worship God. Somebody says to me, well, pastor, why, why should church be a priority for me? Why, why, why should it be important to me and my family? Simply put, because God is important. Okay? Church should be important to you because God is important. God's important, and, and one of the reasons that we exist is to minister to Him, to, to worship Him. Think about this with me. This, this is just a quick overview. God has made everything that, that, that we see and everything that we don't, and He did it all just by speaking it into being. I read that with my kids this week. I was like, wow, God's cool. Everything that we love and enjoy in life is a gracious gift from His hand, the Bible says. We're dearly loved by Him, according to Scripture, so much so that He has pursued us, that He has pursued us and chased after us, even stepping into the middle of our messy, sinful lives. That's, that, that's God. I mean, this is what Scripture tells us about Him. It says, before we ever wanted Him, He wanted us. Even when we, we, we were still sinners, He loved us and He saved us, get this, according to His grace, not according to our merit. Amen? <laughs> I don't know about you, my merit's not, uh, my merit's not way up there. And so, hear me, as a natural outpouring of that, really because, I mean, what else can we do having received that kind of love? Because of all that, we worship Him. We now give our lives to praising His name and singing of His love and His mercy and His grace. I love, uh, my kids and I, um, we dance a little. Uh, just sharing that with you. Yeah, I've talked to you about this, right? I love. I'm Baptist. I think the, theologically we get it right, doctrinally. But I've, I've told with you, I've told with you this. I've shared it with you. You know, there was a stage in Baptist life where we kind of got off the rails. Baptists have always been known for being biblical and being according to Scripture. And there's this little phase of Baptist life we decided we we're going to add a whole bunch of stuff to Scripture. You know, the no drinking, no dancing, no Disney. Y'all remember this, right? And 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 so the boycotts and all the stuff and silliness. We said we don't do that here. Okay, we're just going to be biblical. Um, and, and so uh, we dance a little bit in our house. You probably have noticed that if you drive by because our windows are always open. You might catch me cutting a little rug up in there every once in a while. So, uh, you know, I may, I'm probably doing the vanilla ice dance because we, we now sing that because Faith starts dancing. She likes she likes vanilla ice, I'm just saying. Uh, but but here's one of my kids' favorite songs, and, and we, we play this little worship thing. And, and they love this song um, by, uh, I didn't know who it was written by until I studied it this week, Martin Smith. And he wrote a song called The Happy Song. Have you ever heard this? And it says, I could sing unending songs of how you saved my soul. I could dance a thousand miles because of your great love. I thought, you know what? That's it right there. That's it. That's what worship is. Worship is that we have experienced the love of God, right? And we could just sing about it forever. We could just have a big cut a rug and dance it up and praise God and give Him glory because He's awesome. That's what worship is, and that's what the church is called to do. That, that, that's our, our first ministry. Think about it with me for a second. You know, there are two places that we read about seraphs. Isaiah 6 and, and Revelation 4. And do you know what those guys are doing every time you see them? Every time you read about the seraphs, it says they're worshiping God. They're, they're singing out, calling out to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They're constantly in worship of God. And that's the first ministry of the church. 
We are called to, to minister to God like that. I want you to write down this, this verse and go back and look it up this week, okay? Uh, Colossians 3.16. Colossians 3.16. It, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and, and admonish one another and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. It's what the church is called to do, to minister to God through worship. Let's look at Ephesians uh, together this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to be in the book of Ephesians a little bit this morning. I just warn you in advance. Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to start in verse 15. Uh, Start in verse 15. I I want you to listen. Paul is kind of warning the church. And and he's saying, listen, be careful because the world is not all you think it's it's meant to be. And so he's warning them. he's, He's saying, listen, don't waste your lives. And I would kind of begin before we even read this passage. Have you ever kind of looked in the mirror and thought, you know what, there's got to be more to life than this? Have you ever had one of those moments where you wake up and you go, listen, I've been doing the same thing for so long and there's got to be more to life than this, right? There's got to be more than just surviving. There's got to be more to life than this. Well, that's kind of what Paul's addressing. And listen to what he says uh, to the church in Ephesus. He says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. And get this, I love verse 16. He says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Here's the summary. Paul says, make the most of your time because time is short. He says, don't live for yourselves. Live to worship God. That's the point. He says, don't, don't, don't waste your life. There's more to life than this. Don't, don't just waste your life. Live to worship God. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. I need you to hear me. Worship is not just preparation for something else. In the church today, we've kind of made it that way. We kind of think that worship's that thing that we do before the pastor gets up and talks and we take our nap. Worship is not preparation just for preaching. Worship is one of the primary, in, in and of itself, on its own, worship is one of the primary reasons that we exist. We exist to minister to God, to sing praises, to tell Him how good He is, to tell Him thank you. Don't you think that God deserves a little thank you? That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Ephesians 1, 11 and 12 says that we've been chosen in order that we might live for the praise of God's glory. That's a summation of it, by the way. But that's what it's about. That we might live for the glory of God. Okay, first ministry of the church, to minister to God. It's ministry to God. Here's the second. Second ministry of the church is ministry to its members. Ministry to believers is another way to say it. Ah. Uh, The second primary purpose of of the church is one of nurture and raising. According to Scripture, uh, let's look at this together. You can fill in the blanks. According to Scripture, the church has an obligation to nurture and build up its members into maturity uh, in faith. According to Scripture, the church has an obligation to nurture and build up its members into maturity 
in faith. Now, we just covered this passage uh, a couple weeks ago, but it's important enough that I want to revisit it. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. If you were already in 5, it's just one page over for you. It says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, and some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. As we studied a couple weeks ago, the church is a body and it's designed by God for growth. And you remember I shared the story about, about bedtime in our house. And I know that you guys are way better at it than us, but we put the kids to bed and we love them and I pray with them and I kiss them and I tuck them in and then I leave them believing in all, with all of my being that they're going to stay put. Uh, and it never happens, right? Now, go sit down, and here comes one of them, and, and the other night that happened, and it was my youngest boy, and he, he kind of wanders in, and he's such a lover. Can I have a drink? He gets a drink, and then when he comes back, because he may get up three times, but he always, he, every time, he gives you a big kiss and a hug. I love you. And so he's doing that. He gives mom a kiss, and he gives me a kiss, and when he does, he climbs up, and his little foot is just kind of hanging off the couch, and, and Hope is like, whoa, do you see that? And she's talking about how big, how big he's gotten. He's just grown so tall, almost as tall as Connor now. And I said, well, what do you expect? You know, he's growing. Guys, as we study Scripture, here's what the Bible would say. Say that the church, our spiritual footprint, should always be growing, Right? The, the, the aim of the church is ministry to its members. Your spiritual footprint should always be growing. You should be growing in maturity and, and in faith. The Apostle Paul, whom I love, by the way. I'm a huge Paul fan. I hope you like Paul, or else you probably won't like me a whole lot. I love Paul. Um, and, and, and Paul wrote half the New Testament. Great church planner. Awesome overseer. I mean, Paul's just the man. And, and, and you know, when you study Scripture, I found this past. You know, Paul had one aim for his ministry. And if we study his aim in context, it seems to be that the church had one aim for its ministry, to, to its members at least. I want you to read this with me. Colossians 1.28, okay? Just flip over a couple of books. Colossians 1.28. Paul writes this. He says, we, we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Get this. This is why they're doing it. So that we may present everyone. Not some, so that we may present everyone. Another way to translate that is so that we might present every man perfect in Christ. To this end, he says, I labor, struggling with all my energy, which so powerfully works within me. That, that phrase, perfect in Christ, it means brought to completion. It means that, that Paul's aim was to present every man complete, every man mature in Christ. To that, he gave every ounce of his energy. And friends, you want to know why that was Paul's purpose in ministry? Because that is God's purpose for the church. Because Paul was a shepherd of the church. And because of that, he gave himself to raising up every person that they might be made mature in their faith. That they might stand perfect before Christ. That was, that was his aim. The church exists to minister to God and it exists to minister to its members Here's the third ministry. The church exists to minister to the world. Existed to, to, to minister to, to the world. And we do this in a couple of ways. We are called to do this through word and deed, through evangelism and mercy. 
Okay, through evangelism and mercy. And we've kind of already, already talked about the, the evangelism. Right? The Great Commission is clear. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So what does that mean? We go and we evangelize, and, and somebody comes to accept Christ. And then what do we do? We baptize them, and they become a part of the church. And then what do we do? Right? We grow them up in, in, in the fullness of the measure of Christ. And then they're going to go out and do these things. right? And you say, hey, man, that makes sense. That sounds biblical. To me, it does sound biblical because it is biblical, right? But some people believe that's our only purpose in ministering to the world. There's some people you'll speak to, and they say that's that's what the that's that should be the only focus of the church is just going out and making disciples. Now, hear me. I want you to hear clearly. That is the primary ministry of the church in the world today. But when you study Scripture, you find very clearly it cannot be the only ministry of the church in the world today. I'm going to share three scriptures with you. I apologize. I was sick on Thursday. I thought I typed these things for you, and I did not. So I'm going to give you references. You write them down and check them out this week, because I'm going to go pretty quick. But I want you to hear what the Word of God says about the need for mercy in our world today. And here's the first. These are the very words of Jesus. Luke 6.35. Luke 6.35. Jesus says, Love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Now, I don't know about you, but when somebody in my family wants to borrow money, I usually say, here, yeah, you can have the money, but pay me back, you know, blah, 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 six months, whenever you can, right? We, we usually, I mean, family members, we kind of have it. So Jesus says, no, 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 your enemy, the guy that hates you, lend to him and don't expect to get anything back. What, what's the point? He's saying, listen, you've got to do good to others. I love, I love what John says, 1 John 3.18, 1 John 3.18. And you remember, John, some of you read, read John's writing, you think, this guy's, this guy's a, a ninny, this guy's he's some kind of big softy, he's all lovey-dovey and always talking about loving one another. What is this guy talking? Well, you've got to remember, this guy is a work of Jesus. Remember, this is the same guy that was a son of thunder. That's who he was. He was a son of thunder. This is the guy that was walking past Samaria and says to Jesus, Hey, can't you call down fire from heaven and just kill all these half-breeds? That's who he was. He was a son of... This guy had no mercy whatsoever, which gives me a little hope in life. Because when I take my spiritual gift test inventory, it says I have no mercy. You know, I mean, it gives me hope because John had no mercy. And then Jesus was suddenly alive again. And everything changed. One of the greatest proofs for the resurrection is the changed life of, of the disciples. John's changed forever. He becomes this, this disciple of love, this apostle of love. And I want you to listen to what he says, 1 John 3.18. He says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. We've got to love with actions, he says. And then finally, hear the words of Christ. You've heard them before. Matthew 25.40, Jesus is talking about about judgment, the end of times, and when he comes back, and, and dividing the sheep and the goats. And you remember that division. He says this. He says, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Friends, that's what mercy is about. That's why the, the, the world needs it. Hear, hear me now. The world needs evangelism. They need to know Christ. But how will they know Christ if they're dying because they don't have clean drinking water? How will the gospel reach them 
when they're dying of simple diseases that can be avoided if they have shoes on their feet? How can we throw out the amount of food that we do every week or two? I don't know how often you clean your fridge or month. If you do it every month, it's probably got some, you know, good uh, penicillin growing on it, right? You think about how much stuff we throw away. And yet there are people that just need enough food to eat so that they can survive long enough for the gospel to make it to. See, the gospel has to make it to the ends of the earth. But we need these people to stop dying of causes that are preventable so that the gospel can reach them. You follow me? And so the ministry of the church has to be balanced. And that's what I would say to you. When you hear about the three ministries of the church, the, the, the church has to be balanced in these things. The three ministries have to be balanced. The five purposes, the church has to have balance. And you say, well, pastor, I, I, don't, I don't know, but I, I, I struggle with that. I always try to do everything. And, I, and, and, and it's just so tiring. Well, I would say the church has to be balanced. But the church is made up of many members. Brother, you don't have to be that balanced. If your gift is evangelism, then the church who needs balance, we need you on the evangelism team. We need you going and knocking on doors and sharing Christ. And if your gift is mercy, then I need you in the food pantry. You don't need somebody without mercy working the food pantry. When somebody comes in and they they look at them and go, well, you should be doing better off or you should have this. You don't want that person in the food pantry. You need somebody that has the heart of God in the food pantry. You need somebody that sees people and loves them. In the food pantry. That's where we need those people. And so you take your spiritual gift and we're going to help you find it. We're going to talk about it in the next few weeks. And you start serving in the church as a member where God has intended you to serve. And then the church will have balance. And we'll be the church of God that he intends us to be. Does that make sense? So what do we do with all that? Just two things and I'm done. On time. Two things you need to do. Number one, you need to go home and study all this stuff. You've got to study it. You need to know why the church exists. You need to know why we're here. It's a big deal. It, it, it's, this, this is not a little small thing. You need to know why the church exists. So he says, well, why should I go to church? You should have an answer. Know why the church exists. Why should I go to church? Because God deserves worship. First thing off your tongue, right? Because you need to be built up. Because the world needs the gospel, and they need mercy. Bam, bam, bam. Know why we're here. Okay, and here's second. Once you know why you're here, when you know why you're here, then the only thing you've got left is to give yourself to the cause. I said this last week, and I'll say it again. In our world today, there are tons of people that go to church there are very few that are giving themselves to the church. That didn't used to be the case. You remember, generations ago, tons of people gave themselves to the church. They were known for it. Went on their tombstones. Not anymore. Don't just go to church. Give yourself to the church. Give yourself to the cause of Christ. It's a good cause. It's worthwhile.